Welcome inside the coach's room. Every week we talk to elite coaches and backroom staff about their experiences, how they develop and how they develop their players. At that time I learned the laws of football. I mean, you can you can have such a good plan, which I believe we had. You can have such a good view or vision for the future, but if the short-term result is not there, you will yeah, you will struggle. Okay, you never get time in professional football, maybe even in professional sports or even professional business. Time is is uh, usually uh, of the essence. In this episode, we talk to Dennis Becking. Dennis is the academy director of the National Academy in Malaysia. We discuss his transitions from being a coach to managing an academy, how he developed his leadership skills and his vision on how to build a high-performance environment. Enjoy this episode with the talented Dennis Becking. Dennis, welcome inside the coach's room. Thank you very much. It's great to have you, and uh, I think we have to uh, thank Antal uh, for his assist. And now you're Definitely. here. Uh, great to be here also, yeah. Similar story. Well, you you moved to the west side of the world. He moved to the west side of the world, and you moved to the east side of the world. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, let's go straight into it. Well, you are now in uh, Kuala Lumpur, sitting in, in your bedroom, but I've also seen your office because you showed me, uh, while we had our first conversation, you you showed me on your phone. Great view on the pitches. Uh, I think yeah. great facilities. I think most top clubs in Europe would be jealous on the facilities that you work. Yeah, true. Um, but maybe you can explain a little bit on your role, on your current role, and also your office, and then... Yeah, the the inevitable. What's the most important item there, or what's the most important in your coach's room? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, first of all. Thank you for having me. Great, great to be here. Um, yeah. So currently, I am responsible for the National Academy in uh, Malaysia, uh, which means we have uh, basically the national youth teams there from the U13 till the U17. Um, and Malaysia is a country that's crazy about football. But not many clubs have their own academy. There's one club actually. It's called uh, JDT. It's the, uh, the the biggest club at the moment, and uh, they have their own academy. For the rest, clubs don't really have their uh, have have academies yet. Of course, there are some plans to do so, and the ecosystem is uh, is uh, developing. Uh, but at the moment, it's not there yet. Which means um, we actually get to scout uh, countrywide. So the country uh, is. Uh, is about eight times the size of of, of Holland, yeah. with a, a population of around thirty two million people. So we we can select the best, yeah, the best players at the age of uh, let's say ten, eleven, twelve, and after that they come to A and D Academy Moktada Hari, and um, um, they live there. They stay in a hostel. We have an international school at the at the premises, and as you saw, we, it, it's 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 an amazing facility. Yeah. Um, Absolutely matching uh, matching European standard. With we have ten ten pitches. We have a, a indoor pool, outdoor pool, uh, hall, uh, big gym, uh, etc. So it's it's a uh, it's almost a small village. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And your office was situated a little bit above, let's say the the level of the pitches, so you could see. 
Yeah, exactly. Or several. Yeah. I don't know if you can see them all, but you could. I could see that you could see the pictures. Pictures. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the main pitch. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out of the main pitch. So you're like the director yeah. watching the pitch, and everybody can see you from behind the glass. No, I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. But I keep the curtains closed. Yeah, 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 yeah something like that. No, it's actually, yeah. yeah. No, no. I'm actually always. I've always been quite, quite picky about the offers and uh, sometimes people look at you strangely when you put quite a demand on hey um, I want my office to be like this and it basically it, it, it comes from the fact that uh, I come from a, uh, uh, I was a PE teacher for 10 years and already started coaching but it, it, it went simultaneously and uh, mostly in, in in that time you know you work with several principals and they all said look my door is always open and actually it turned out that it never was Okay. And somehow it 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 sticked uh, uh, in my brain, you know. Said, "Hey, so whenever I, you know, I'm in a position that, and I will say this, then I have to make sure it's it, it is open and yeah, yeah. not only stay, yeah. stay true to it." Yeah, exactly. So so that people and it's it's not about the door being open actually, but it's it's about that people, you know, know uh, that they can come to you at any time for your support for your help. And also that they know that once they come, they will be taken seriously and you will take time for them. And uh, I truly consider it my main purpose. Uh, for sure, we will get into it. But yeah. I consider my, my, my main job in supporting and helping the coaches even more than helping the players, at least in this role. So for me, it's highly important that when a coach comes to my office, first of all, that I'm there for him. And also that when he steps in, that it's an environment that is safe, and uh, comfortable, not in terms of luxury, but comfortable in terms of that the coaches are happy to come in. So I'm, I'm quite demanding on the office side of things. So the view is very important. Uh, it has to be very light also. I think everybody in football, especially when you are in an academy director or some sort of position that you have to do some office job, you know, many times, at least I have experienced it many times that you are, I don't know, under a main stand or so, 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 so many times you get an office with hardly any yeah. outside light, no fresh air. You have this one single light bulb, you know, so the, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, the view, the lighting and also, you know, not, not necessarily size, but there need to be a big table that we can have some coffee on, uh, preferably some, some relaxed area with a couch and some, you know, that you actually, and I do that, try to do that. Yeah, but you actually have different settings for different type of uh, yeah, different type of conversations. I can remember that during COVID, um, um, coaches at one point stepped into my office. So I asked them to come to my office and simply said, "Hey, how are you?" And then you had really intimate conversations about uh, family struggles, yeah. uh, private life, you know. And th that that for me is not something you do. With 10, 10 meters of table, uh, okay. no, then, then, you, then you sit on the couch, you have some coffee, and you know you, you have those kind of conversations. Yeah, yeah. it almost sounds like you're describing my office. Ah, okay, yeah, well. But we, I have yeah. a huge like corner couch, you can sit with six people there. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it's two people are having dinner now, or lunch, and then I see uh, to the left, I see four uh, working spaces, it's all light. And then the sad news is I have to leave the office, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, it, but this is perfect because it is important, we, relax, right? we can sit on the couch, we want to eat, there's a separate place. Um, the vibe is very important in uh, in the way that you interact with each other. If it always feels stiff, then you're going to act stiff 
if it feels yeah exactly like you say if it feels safe or relaxed then people act yeah. the way i think yeah yeah i hope so and yeah i must say the part that of the door always being open besides the fact if it is actually open but i really try to and i must say 99 percent of the cases it is like that so whenever a coach comes i drop everything so regardless of what i'm doing and it's not always comfortable for me because no, you have no, your deadlines and hey, you have your emails and and uh but uh, I tried to do it, and I really I've noticed the difference in terms of how I did it previously. When you're younger, you might be more caught up by time, or you feel pushed, or you feel stressed by you know by this full email box or or whatever. I've noticed that if you if you take the time, people also come. I mean, if you if they come and you say, hey, listen, uh, how about in ten minutes? Quite quite quickly they pick up on that and they simply you know you 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 see them coming less and less and then of course you can blame the coaches but looking in the mirror then it's probably a better idea yeah yeah there's one counterpart maybe uh with staff or let's say interns that i have they tend especially in the beginning they tend to ask everything all the yeah. small things that they can also discover themselves so um maybe a different example but Sometimes I push back. Okay, first go find it out yourself, and then yeah. they realize. Okay, I can. I don't have to. Maybe it's also trust that, that they don't have to check everything with you or with me or whatever. They can just take initiative themselves. Um, but it's more in maybe direct operations and and maybe yeah uh, yeah no more di giving direction to people. It's not because yeah. maybe you're talking more about talking and and problems or issues whatever than. It's completely the opposite, of course. Yeah. No, no, but this is definitely recognizable. Uh, maybe this is also a link to the part of the world in terms of what I mean is Asia, where I still, still remember the first day I came here and they basically, you know, people look at you, hey, what's your plan? And, you know, um, are you going to tell me what to do? So basically, people literally, expect you to, yeah. yeah, literally, literally. Um, and of course, us Dutch people, you know, it's this is not common for us. You know, we I think we highly value independence. You know, critical thinking, trying to develop the process that people uh, make their own decisions and come up with their own solutions. And you know, you try to put some emphasis on what is needed to do that, and you try to develop those kind of competences in in people. Can be players, can be coaches. Basically, it's it's for me that that's that that's quite quite similar. So yes, that definitely happens also. And then, yeah, as you say, you you you, know, you take these opportunities to engage in conversations and yeah, together with the things you do. My 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 uh, job actually, I mainly focus on educating coaches. Then that I'm necessarily uh, highly involved in the daily behavior of of players, you know, and, and uh, I truly believe that if we or I help develop coaches or support coaches better that of course they can help the players better yeah so yeah, yeah. okay yeah. and um uh well let's get let's let's get on a pathway how you ended up in malaysia um yeah. because okay. uh, well first of all when i first got your i already saw your profile before Antal saw uh, uh sent it to me he said okay interesting guy dutch guy somewhere in Asia leading the, the National Academy. How, how the hell do you get there? Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
Yeah, what what is the story there? So you, you were a player, you got into coaching. Maybe you can share a little bit on how you went from a player to to uh, to coaching. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe I think, well, it's my assumption that you found more your natural habitat in being a leader. Yeah, yeah, I believe so also. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so as a player, I was born and raised in Deventer in the east uh, uh, of the Netherlands. I will go fast. Played for the for the yeah for the local professional club. Currently playing at the Dutch Eredivisie, Go Ahead Eagles. Yeah. So played there in the youth second team. One of the many players that um, uh, doesn't make it for whatever reason. So wasn't crazy talented. I could kick a ball, but I was a player. Look, you get the ball and you give it. To somebody that can actually play, like me, but then uh, a little yeah, bit some, probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> right, no, back, no, so, right back. So I got a number that to defend, and I had to pass the ball to the number six. That was my only role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, but if you're really good at that, you know, you, you can, can still, still be, excel. Sure. Uh, be, yeah, be quite useful. No, no, for me, same. So I was a center back, and uh, I think okay, but uh, you know, um, quite quickly. Um, Found out or found out, you know, I think, okay, what, what is, even if I make it, then I find myself every two, three years struggling for, uh, for, 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 for contract at that time, you know, because at one point I said, uh, I was in the second team, could stay at that time for this amateur, amateur, what is it? Voluntary compensation for, was it 100 guilders or euros a month or something? Yeah. So it was no, more, more like a. It's amateur football in a professional world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So at one point he's highlighted, look. Uh, this is not going to be it. So, and then quite quickly, because I come from a, I would say, family of teachers, but my father was a teacher. So, uh, and we are center back, the coaching type, um, you know, trying to be a leader, uh, being the captain, this kind of role, you know. So, quite quite quickly stepped into coaching. I already knew when I was playing that I, you know, was 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 definitely interested in becoming a coach. So did that quite quickly. Got the coaching licenses, and at uh, at that time did uh, the. Did you already get some licenses while you were playing? Let's say 16, 17 year old uh, daily in yeah. football. Did you already get away for C or something? That's a that's a good question. I I think I did, but I, I I'm not sure. It was either while while still playing or shortly after. Yeah. What I did was is that I'm looking for the name, but uh, you have the um, the the sports academy to become a PE teacher. You know, I, I don't. Cios or Alo? No, Alo, Alo. Yeah. yeah. So, so that one was in Zwolle. So I already started that one when I was yeah when I was still still playing. Uh, and from that, quite physical education in English. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I started that, and uh, that was in Zwolle. So quite quickly, also I think it was at quite quite simultaneously um I started the coaching licenses or um what was it ah it doesn't matter anyway quite quite quickly got the coaching licenses uh i think because at that time i had alo and uh, quite quickly turned up i don't I don't even remember had had b or c license you know so i quite quickly uh, was able to get on the a license um um and that was, and after Alo, what I did, I went back to Cios, which was actually the reverse route right. because normally you go from, you know, you, you, you do it the other way around, especially to get in the end to get my UEFA uh, A youth license. And there weren't so many people with this specialization project. Ad Langela was also one. He was before me. So I was the second one. And quite quickly after that, they stopped this, this pathway. I don't know why. Okay. Maybe it wasn't really. Okay. Uh, 
successful for them. So, you know, but, but, uh, but anyway, so we, we did it. So quite, I was quite young getting my A license. And then at that time did my internship, uh, at Pex Waller. Yeah. So I, uh, after that stayed at Pex Waller, uh, started as a youth coach and then more and more you, uh, you find your way at that time. Zola was not, was it what it is now? It was you know, already a fantastic club, but not as big as it was now, uh, as it is now. So when you are, you know, with a quite small group of people, doing a lot of things, you get the opportunity to do a lot of things, you know, so mm-hmm. as a coach, uh, head of youth department, head of youth scouting, uh, uh, did some assisting at the first team, so et cetera, et cetera. Did it for seven, eight years and then um, made a step to FC20 yeah. at that time, um, who were at that time uh, starting a second second location for their youth uh, uh, academy there in, in, in uh, Enschede, Hengelo always been there and then they went to Twello uh, from the corporation with with Go at Eagles yeah so they wanted me to lead that 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 part of the of the uh, uh, of the academy uh, basically so did that for 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 a few years from that grew to being the academy director of the whole academy yeah um and, how old were you uh, like 30 yeah, I think so. Somewhere in between thirty and thirty-five, because well, it, says, it says more something about your pathway that not it's not very common to be a head of education, head of youth when you're twenty-nine or thirty. No, 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 you're no, you're right. It's, actually, it perfectly fits so, in your pathway because you already had, let's say, eight years of management or coaching already. But yeah. still, it is yeah, yeah, correct. And, and the organization maybe was a little bit smaller now than I mean compared to now, yeah. but still. You were in a leadership position around yeah, yeah, 30, yeah, yeah. leading, yeah. Correct, correct, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then the 20 role, which was amazing, uh, completely different as at Pex Waller because it was at the time that uh, FC20 was uh, champion of the Netherlands, yeah. Uh, w- yeah, which was an amazing time. The sky was the limit. Also, after that, uh, the downfall was there. With the everything bank, the that bank account had no limit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I experienced both, you know, uh, both both sides of the of the of the story, which was uh, yeah, which was not not always fun, but a very good learning experience. Yeah. And also because at that time, you know, the 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 amount of uh, how do you call it uh, GMs, uh, technical directors, there was a high turnover on staff, especially yeah. in leadership uh, leadership positions. Uh, met some amazing people, by the way. You know, in the end. Uh, uh, the one that actually gave me the opportunity to become the academy director was Gerald van der Belt, currently at Cambuur Leeuwarden. Okay, yeah. uh, I reworked with him at Pex Wolle, uh, met him again at uh, 20, and I think he did amazing work in a very difficult time for, for, for the club. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, that that happened, uh, learned a lot, um, and then actually quite quite out of the blue, Gold Eagles uh Came at that time together with NEC Nijmegen. Um, I had a few conversations with NEC first to become their uh, uh, academy director and maybe gradually move on to the yeah, move into a technical manager, technical uh, director position. And th- th- that actually was done with. Not that I signed, but but you know, feeling was Ido, there. Ido there. No, no, it was at it was at that time at the club. At that time, uh, the. GM was uh, Bart, Bart, young guy, Paul. That doesn't really I think matter. It, yeah, I think Bart, Bart. Bart just more I was thinking, oh, okay, but more thinking, uh, we had uh, yeah. Ido on the podcast as well, a great guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I think, uh, I mean, specialist in 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 uh, youth development because yeah, he's been for around sure. forever. For sure. Special guy. And yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So I was basically ready to go there, and then uh, the Gold Eagles called, "Hey, would you be in- interested to be our uh, sporting director?" And uh, I can remember the yeah the first thought that goes, "Hey, me? What, what, why would you pick me? I have no." Uh, experience in the role and uh, I mean there must be better candidates than me but nevertheless we had some conversations and actually the part that that they recognized at that time or they they they, they voiced out was 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 the whole change agents yeah, kind of thing that um, Godiva is an amazing club uh, but very very demanding fans you know club of yeah. the people and um I think at that time they recognized perfectly well that their strength was also their biggest weakness in terms of it's a club of the people. But also, you know, when you when you go to go to Eagles, the stadium is in the middle of a living area. Yeah. It's like time stopped to to uh, to to. Somebody to, made the uh, uh, the comparison once that it's like Liverpool, but then the smallest version. You exactly. Can think of. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a. Uh, it's an amazing club to work and to be with. I am from the city, so I mean, it's your start, your 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 childhood dream, first as a player. And if you can't make it as a player, then if you have the you know the opportunity to be uh, to be in charge of the of, of the of the technical part, then of course that is uh, that is amazing. So we started talking about hey, how you know this being gold eagles is both a strength as a as a weakness. So you know the strength, of course, in terms of identity, uh, being the club of the people. Uh, Football, like like f- football, is meant to be. Eh? You mentioned Liverpool, that 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 kind of experience, but also, you know, in terms of modernization, uh, adapting to current times, professionalizing in how how you manage a club. Um, you know, they felt like there had to be some some improvement in certain areas, and they you know, asked me to to yeah to help in that area you know the longer term at the longer term development how do you build a high performance and mostly a sustainable high performance organization and uh, so this was also the part that that triggered me I had a lot of conversations with at that time Edwin Lucht the the, the chairman and uh, it all went quite quickly to to be honest so before I knew it I was uh, the youngest sporting director ever at the highest level in uh, in uh, in Holland at that time. Currently, you have a, a lot of other young guys. You have Tim, uh, Tim Sellesse, uh, Turn, Turn Jacobs. Uh, uh, from Utrecht is also relatively young, right? Yeah, Jordi. Um, of course, uh, uh, Gronje. Help me out here. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so now you have this whole generation of new young, young, young people. At that time, uh, I was. Uh, I was at the time, it was more. Old coaches or old players that kind of grew into the role had twenty years of experiences in the business, and then yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you have this. I think at that time there were there was already some sort of natural renewal of a new generation of coaches, um, but it hadn't really landed in this kind of role yet. Uh, yet, and I think you know, even now with with the new generation coming, I recently read an article, or I think it was in the in the. In the in the national newspaper about people stating, hey, actually everybody can become a sporting director, and you know when you currently look at PSV, Ajax, uh, Feyenoord, even even though uh, uh, Dennis de Kluze is is yeah. is now is now there that that there is an actual need for educated sporting directors, and what you see is 
you know, I think now it's 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 either the former player stepping in uh, into this role or or uh, a former agent, you know, more more like and this is I think also the the globally ongoing uh, discussion about the role of the sporting director. So you have the uh, building a sustainable high performance organization part and you have the recruitment part. Yeah, and I think sure. more I think now actually when you look at, at at Holland it's it's moving a little bit more towards the agent and the recruitment side of things. Um and uh and yeah, interesting. Because, uh, I think the um... If you look at the organization around clubs and football teams, you saw, I think, a couple of years ago, a shift from an academy director to they split the 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 role into let let's say the director and the head of coaching. So one is only about the content; he he, he only judges yeah. the coaches or he judges the methodology or whatever, and the other guy only does the maybe the organization and the contracts and the commercial part or uh, yeah. the budget. That's already split because I think it's completely different. One is how does somebody work, and the other one is just HR. Literally, if so, okay, what what are the costings? Blah blah blah. And that one is uh, responsible for budget. The other one is prefer- responsible for culture. Yeah. For example, uh, I think it's all involved. But that they were, you see that they split it more now. You saw also in the professional teams, you see they have performance manager around the first team or around the first two teams there's more mainly involved in the culture so you don't need a director so they i think ix Feyenoord, pv you said they're more have a technical manager and then the director that does the contract so you can split it up but it's also probably because there's more money available to have different roles you don't have to squeeze it all into one person yeah no true true and i must say uh, I think you can look at it from 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 different angles. First of all, it's it's being an academy director or sporting director. The pressure on the role, I think it's 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 oh, highly true. demanding yeah. because you have so many stakeholders you have to deal with. It can be a parent, it can be agent, it can be you have to manage up and down in terms of your coaches, but also the management. You're always the guy. And when you look at it from an inspirational point of view, you can see like, hey, I'm 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 the spider in the web. What is a fantastic role? I mean. I mean fantastic position to be in at the same time and if it goes well it is fantastic however when it doesn't go well you people come from all yeah. angles you know and um um what 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 the part that that, that triggers me is you know it's is that um at one point uh, when i was at gold eagles uh we got some players on loan actually from from the UK at that time now it's i think it's quite common at that yeah. time it also happened but but you know it, it was so we got a player on loan from uh, arsenal through at that time andres jonker and jan van loon who were at the club and we had some yeah. some some dutch connection there and we got a player on loan from from liverpool pedro chirivella and a player on loan from 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 city at that time because it was an effective way to with with limited financial means to get Quality players, of course, it's, it's it's not a sustainable solution. But at that time, you know, sure. you yeah yeah you try to maximize your, your your financial ability. But for me, on a personal level, the the result was that with Liverpool and also Pepin Liners being there, uh, who I already knew at that time. So I went there a few times to watch the U23. Uh, uh, so for example, um, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at that time played at the uh, already an amazing player, yeah. and there are a few more. 
But nevertheless, so we build a relationship there. And actually at that time, we, we also visited with at that time Hans de Vrome and Edwin Lucht, uh, met with the sporting uh, director, Michael Edwards. Now it's Julian Ward, who was at that time the loan and pathway uh, manager. And I still keep, keep a warm, warm connection with them. I speak to them frequently, actually. And actually it was Julian. So now the sporting director said, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, doing this course, this master in sporting directorship. Uh, and uh, we spoke about it, and I told him I, you know, I had plans to get my university master. It was one, it was like a sure. bucket list, uh, bucket list kind of thing that I wanted to do in this area, but it didn't exist no. in the, in the, in uh, Holland. You had the Cruyff yeah. uh, leadership program, and you had a few things, but not 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 actually this 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 university master. So he he. Yeah, you were, already, you were already in the role of uh, of sporting director. Sporting director, yeah. Did you yeah, also exactly. felt at that point because it's almost a natural conversation then? Uh, but did you feel okay? I need to have more baggage in this role. I need to find knowledge to, to definitely be in this role. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I think we're all students of life. So I'm this kind of person, always looking for for the next step, for the next challenge, but also for new knowledge. I think it's important that regardless of your age or your role, that you always keep keep uh, challenging and uh, uh, developing yourself, you know, to to be on top of things, always demand the best of yourself and therefore also your your, your environment. Um, yeah, so, so, so definitely, yes. So, you know, I got in contact with the people running the program. Uh, actually, what I didn't know was that it, there, there was, even though you had to pay... Uh, Quite a bit of money, you know. There, there was a, there was a, there was an interview, and you had to be admitted. And in the end, it turned out there were only, only higher profile. Or, I mean, how do you call it? From, 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 uh, from the UK. So at that time, the, the sporting director of uh, Rangers was, was in the course. There were a few uh, Olympic athletes, golden medal winners in, in this group. Uh, the academy director of Sunderland, Barnsley, Wigan. You know, people that are actually were, were, were active Liverpool at that time. You were, you were so in the it, classroom, like, okay, can you tell me your history as a sporting director? And you said, okay, I just started four months ago. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, true. True, actually. And then you have to explain the name Go at Eagles to <laughs> okay, yeah. British people. So they look at you at, hey, this, okay, this, this guy. This who's, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, and then you start talking about Barry Hughes and, you know, you completely lose them. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, so, but, 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 you know, it, it, uh, it was an amazing, uh, uh, amazing experience. And I got some sort of confirmation. Uh, we just, uh, we just spoke about it that, you know, you to, to, to a certain level, you are, uh, uh you're on the right path. You know, yeah. You're, I mean, you, 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 you already have some competence, but you're not aware of what's the word. Yeah. Uh, 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 we just spoke about it, but you are you you're know, unconscious you, you, that you that you you have unconscious skills or or competence. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the word. So, and then you know, I got some confirmation, and you get in touch with some models and some theory, and you speak to some people in the industry, and more and more. So, it helped me a lot in terms of awareness. So, we had some modules there. Uh, we did some governance and law, which didn't necessarily trigger me. And now, looking back at my role at Gold Eagles, the whole contracts legal side of things it still doesn't really interest me okay. um but there there was a module on uh leadership for example so we spoke about um i don't know if you're aware but uh, you have the primary colors model um, i think it's a book by david pendleton 
and it's blue, yellow, yes. red, green, that part, okay, which kind yeah. of, yeah, 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 exactly. And the main message I took from it, and I think that, that, that perfect leadership doesn't exist. And if you believe that, that nobody is the perfect leader, then it automatically means that leadership is always a group effort and that you try to get some sort of leadership team or group with different competences that add up to each other. And therefore you, you know, I also don't think perfect leadership exists, but you know, I think you can get much closer with the, so, you know, that kind of thing really triggered me. Uh, we spoke about innovation and change, you know, and actually, even though at that time, Gold Eagles always, always already said to me, Hey, we, we want to change a few things and we think you are the right person. Now I actually knew, ah, okay. So, you know, there is some, some structure to it. There are some key, key factors in it. I mean, um, so we spoke about, um, I believe it was, John Cotter and uh, the eight the eight steps of leading change, if I'm correct. And what yeah. I remember from that is that you, you know, that first of all, there need to be a sense of urgency, which at that time, when I look back at what I did at Goat Eagles, I think this was one of the factors. Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe a few people want to change or the management team want to change. But if the fans don't want to change, if they are perfectly fine with how it is at the moment, yeah. then you need to either engage them through... Uh, you know, uh, 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 a consistent message in, you know, you have to manage expectations. And also, how do you lock change? You know, you, changing something is not that easy, but how do you yeah. embed this change for yeah. the longer term to be, um, yeah, to, to be, to be embedded in the club culture as, as, as being truly part of it? You know, not, not only for one month or two months, no, but for, for the, for the next, for the whole future to, 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 to come and, from that so on, here, you, know, you you kind of had to change the way the people around the club and the fans perceive the club. They have their own perception, but it needs to change yeah. to get to the truth. Yeah, exactly. To change. Yeah. Exactly, and and you know, to cut a long story short, I learned a massive amount of things there, and and basically, um. Together with a group of people, we put a lot of time into, okay, how are we going to, to address this issue? But at the same time, you know, the part where I said, Hey, the biggest strength of the club is also its biggest weakness at the small Liverpool, you know, club of the people in a living environment. But at the same time, it's too conventional, you know, things are happening in this world and go with Eagles is not picking up. Yeah. And I think after that, you know, recently I spoke with, um, uh, Alex Cruz, who I believe now just left as the owner. And um, he basically said to me, and uh, he did some research apparently I didn't know, so he spoke to him and said, hey, actually, I spoke to quite a lot of people at the club. And I believe you and me were more or less doing the same things, only um, I had more more money and more power. I think, yeah, maybe you're right. And for sure, I made a lot of, uh, I made a, a lot of mistakes, but I still, still think that things we identified at the moment were not, not far off. And then, of course, you, you yeah, you need to have some, not luck, but you know, you need to get the right players and you need to appoint the right coach. And um, at that time I learned the laws of football. I mean, you can, you can have such a good plan, which I believe we had, and you can have such a good view of vision for the future. But if the short term result is not there, you will, yeah, you will struggle. And yeah. um, so actually, yeah, you never get time in professional football, maybe even in professional sports or even professional business in any environment that yeah, where, 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 where is a certain, uh, how do you call it? Professionalism. Time is, is uh, usually, uh, of the essence. Yeah. And, and you hardly ever get it. So, you know, did, 
this is a lesson I learned the hard way. Coaches, sorry for the interruption. Besides the coaches room, I run another company called Football Tours. This is a full service touring company and we organize pre-season and winter training camps for professional football teams. We do this for both senior and youth teams and we take care of everything. Hotel, training accommodation, friendly matches, whatever you need. We give youth teams the opportunity to train at the best youth academies of the Netherlands. Academies like PSV, Feyenoord, AZ Alkmaar and the KNVB, you can train there with your team. So, if you are a professional coach, you need to organize your training camp. Or, if you have a youth team and you want to train at the best facilities in the best academies of the Netherlands, go to footballtours.com. And now pay attention, tours is with a Z. So, footballtours with a Z.com. only one thing i while i'm while i'm hearing your story that that speaks what not doesn't speak in your defense but it kind of is the dutch system is that if you once you're up there and you have a pro license as a club and you're up there with the with the first 38 clubs you cannot relegate so um i'm not saying it makes life or your job easier but if you horribly fail they're still not uh, yeah. There's still no relegation or whatever. Only so financials can can really set you back. True, true. No, no, 100% true. And and makes you know, it, but and it, now the you, advances makes it like a, a almost a safe learning environment for a sporting director, which nobody will ever say to you. But but uh, if maybe if I'm looking at it from a very broad perspective, if you do this in the championship, yeah, you're gonna go to League One if you fail, yeah. for example. Okay, the reward yeah, yeah. is huge, but yeah. Absolutely true. So linking to this, at that time I learned because I'm, I, I must admit, I, I think the similar way. So now you're you are talking about purpose, about mission, uh, uh, about vision. Why are we here? You know, what, what is the impact we want to have not only and not on the world, but what, what is the impact we want to have on the club, on sure. the region, on the district, on the, on the, eh? on the, on a country. So for that, you need, I mean, there need to be alignment, right? So at that time, and it, as I said, I spoke to the chairman a lot. And at that time there was a chairman and there was a main, main shareholder. And uh, I, I could already feel at that time that they weren't always necessarily at the same page, which at that time looking back, and I don't blame anybody if I should blame anybody for things we have done wrong or things that didn't went the way it, Supposed to go that I think you should look in the mirror, look at yourself. But at that time, uh, looking back, especially, I recognize, hey, these these two guys, these are two key figures within the club, and are not necessarily always on 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 the same page. So if the one, you know, is talking about the longer term and for players, longer term contracts, getting young players, investing, creating value, and the other one is saying, look, we need to minimize risk, um, do only one year contracts. Uh, because this is the good. Then you are then you are already talking about what what kind of club are we? Yeah. What is our identity? Are yeah. we the club that is that is that is you know uh, educating young players and selling them and trying to to create revenue? Yeah. Or 
are we a different type of club? You know, yeah, are we going uh, tech- season by season? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Gold Eagle still is, and they're doing fantastic at the moment, which 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 I'm very happy about. But I think for years, and I think it might might remain like that, even though they are doing quite well now. Is that I think, and I don't really like the term, but I think it has been a yo-yo club for years, moving up, moving down, moving up, moving down. And I think unless you really can expand the stadium, I think it will be like that because the, I mean, your 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 your, your budget will, I think, most likely uh, be more or less the same. Um, so when that's the case, look at Heracles, Zwolle. I mean, at one point there 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 will be a season you will go down. Um, at that time, I think it was still at my 20th time, I visited Freiburg um, because they were very well known for their philosophy at the uh, academy. And they were also this yo-yo club and they completely accepted it. Yeah. So they completely said, look, this is who we are. And we simply accept that one year we are in the Bundesliga and the other year we are in the second Bundesliga and maybe two years or three years. We don't get nervous. This is who we are. And we sustainably try to with Developing players, we try to, you know, be a, be a sustainable player, of course, of the Bundesliga. But this is how we do it. Yeah. And if you, if, it's uh, lo- if you if you sound if you make it logical, if you are a club that is based on facts, budget, whatever, is let's say between spot fifteen and twenty in the Netherlands, or in, in yeah, you can make the rankings yeah, yeah. in any country. That means that either you're at let's say fifteen to eighteen, which means the highest level, or if you're twenty. The 25, you're the top at the second level. Yeah. Yeah. It's very no, easy true, for us to, to judge it or to say yeah. it like this, but there's a lot more involved. But yeah, it's facts. Yeah. yeah, no, so 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 yeah, it makes 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 one hundred percent sense. Uh but then already if 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 at, at this uh, uh essential key key question, there is differences, which at that moment yeah, there yeah, was. I then, then I, I was too inexperienced to recognize the impact it would have on my job. You know, because you're talking to person A and who says, hey, we go left. And basically you're talking to person B said, no, 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 we go right. And that affected the job in, it can affect which players do you get, what coach do you appoint, uh, 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 what, what, what budget do you allocate in certain areas. And then, um, and this is also definitely something I learned. If you don't, so we met, we met not only me, we with quite a, quite a few people, we made a, yeah, we made a plan which was called um, uh, Gold Eagles, where tradition meets the future. So, and and it wasn't too too drastic, you know. Uh, but but it, it 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 was about modernization, you know, building a high performance organization. And I think it to the fans also because it, yeah, the the first season we got promoted, so that one was amazing. But then we relegated immediately. So when you don't get the points, and I think the message of you know. We, we stick to who we are because this is our uh, identity. And I think the whole stepping up, professionalizing part, you know, in high-performance environment, in professionalizing the culture, um, even though for us, it, it, for me, it went really slow. It was, yeah, it was baby steps. For example, we looked at the, at, the, at, the, at the salary building, you know, allocating more money for, 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 for the better players. A lot of money went into squad players. So we rearranged the salary budget and we did something with, you know, at that time, I think quite basic, but we tried to do some data scouting and um, uh, performance analysis, you know, n- 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 nothing crazy. And, at that time, at moments, we, you know, we, we, we videoed the training sessions with the drone. 
from yeah. from from other yeah, from from yeah. from other pitch. So you could look at line distances. I think now it's completely normal actually. Yeah, no, but at that time, yeah. But these 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 kind of things were picked up by the fans, and then when you don't don't get the points immediately, you get you you know it 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 gets explained. And hey, why don't we just play football and stop yeah, yeah. with this? Focus uh, on the uh, on the core. Blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. So so it got into this kind of uh, mode, um, which was a shame actually. But you know. So going back to my practical experience at Goat Eagles in this area, but also identifying through this master in sporting directorship, hey, what are actually the pillars and the factors? How do you professionalize an organization? So when you look at building a high-performance organization, how's the quality of management? How's the quality of the employees? Is there is there a long-term focus? Um, is there a certain openness uh, uh, in the organization? Um, is it action-orientated? Uh, is there a continuous drive for renewal and uh, uh, improvement? These are things if you if you read up, you know, and you do your research and you investigate, you know, you have the peak uh, the peak performance model. You have uh, the HPO high performing organizations model by by Andre de Baal, and these are extensive researchers who have done extensive research at at elite sporting organizations over 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 many years, football clubs, but also uh, also different sports. And they and they come up with a framework with a certain pillars that actually you know this is not not somebody made up by proof evidence based. Hey, this is this is the framework you need to fit if you want to call yourself high uh, uh, high performance. Yeah, yeah, uh, high performing. And then you know there is some there is some disagreements about about the amount of years you should be able to deliver this high performance if you want to call it that. The one says, hey, if you can deliver at a certain level. For five years, you can call yourself a, a high-performing organization. Some models talk about 15 years, which which is already quite long, you know. Yeah. So before you can call yourself a high-performing organization, I think it takes it takes quite a bit, you know, and it needs to be properly pra- uh, uh, planned. And 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 the part in that that, tr- that um, triggered me the most was that during the course we met uh, Owen Eastwood, who's actually the author of the book Belonging. And he really zoomed in on on the culture side of things. And he said, look, if you have your purpose clear, which is already a big task, but if you have your purpose clear, why are we here? How are we going to make an impact? And you have your vision clear. What does good look like? And you have your uh, strategy. Then know that 70% of actually you delivering your uh, uh, strategy is is, uh, successfully delivering your strategy is determined by your culture. So in the, in this case a high high performance culture. So so what makes what makes a culture um, uh, to successfully uh, lift the level of an organization? And that is the part that really triggers me, to be honest. So you know from 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 that yeah, looking at these different models, uh, I met with Tone Tone Gebrands yeah, at that yeah. time uh, GM at at uh, at. Uh, PSV wrote his book. Uh, what was the title again? Geen Geen Stel. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And, Did and, you do a Friday yeah. afternoon session with him? Yeah, I think it was on a Friday because afternoon. I, but it was at one point I heard that he opened up his office every Friday from four to six or something, and anybody could walk in to get advice. I I, yeah. I, I heard it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't have a company then. I just was just an employee of the company. Uh, if if I were in a position where I definitely would just go there, you could just literally go there or something, which is yeah. one of the best sporting director or leaders in, in Dutch sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was like that. It, I mean, I, I spoke to him later, but at, at one point, um, I just called him. Said, hey, don't listen. Do you have a moment? Uh, because you know, I'm quite quite interested in what you do, and I think this is something that uh, I also learned with talking to different people. That that actually many people do this. You know, trying to you know identify. Hey, this is the guy. At one point, there was a Dutch coaching conference, and um, Hank Mariman was there. I don't know if you have heard the name. Yeah, exactly. So this was years ago, but he. He wrote the, I don't know what's the title, the, the, the football method or something. Sure, and, yeah. and, 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 and he was quite experienced. He was the director of Double Pass. Now, actually, together yeah. with FIFA, it's this thing, you know, worldwide. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting uh, organization. Uh, yeah. So so I did the same. I called him and said, Hank, do you have a moment? I said, look, uh, I'm free tomorrow at 10 in, uh, I believe it was Antwerp. So just said, okay, I'll be there. I just took the car, drove, and yeah. we just, you know, he... he I was lucky enough that he had a few hours and we talked football and I was able to ask him quite a few. So, you know, this has always been me and I would advise anybody to, to do that, right? And it's, it's not always easy because you feel like, hey, you know, yeah, it makes you feel, sometimes feel a little bit un, uncomfortable, right? That you're basically, sometimes feel you're pestering people. But uh, if you look at what you get from it, uh, I right. still do it. And, and at one point it becomes easier because you know you get more more experienced and your network grows and then it's easier people are also more eager to 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 talk to you sometimes yeah, at sure. the same time as as you, as you mentioned the sessions toned it i think he, he he's a living example at that time who already opened up yeah. his 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 office literally for 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 people so yeah exactly why why wouldn't you uh, no, I completely agree. I think I said it again. Again, if you haven't done, if you haven't found this this principle out in the past two years, because then you because COVID almost forced everybody to because you you were literally forced to stay in your house or whatever you couldn't. And sports was limited, so this was yeah. the time to reach out to people. Okay, yeah. and I I found a way yeah. to, to to create a podcast around it, but that could yeah. even be an advice if you want. To talk to people, just create a reason to talk to people. And yeah. uh, uh, otherwise, I wouldn't exactly. have been talking to you. But this is literally the way it works. And if you, you, you're going to be surprised if you send somebody a message, I want to ask you some advice. I think 90% of the people will just say yes, no matter what their status level, whatever it is. Okay, you have to realize some people really? are just too busy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I've done it with entrepreneurs or, or people that, like you did, if you, if you, Tone, can you help me? He says yes. He's he was at that point the sporting director of the Netherlands with PSV. He's just yeah. the guy's crazy busy, but he still finds time because it, it's almost in the nature of everybody to help. Yeah, yeah. People also, you know, this is what he 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 said. I mean, I think if you are engaged or, or or triggered by this by this, you know, basically inspiring people, leadership, then then this is also the part where you get your energy from, right? And maybe everybody in uh, in these kind of positions finds himself caught up in 80% of the things that are not necessarily the things you get your energy from. This is actually sure. the part, talking to people, inspiring people, getting inspired because, you know, whenever people call me for this kind of uh, conversations, you always take something from it. And of yep, course, people sure. call you to learn. And But every time I am amazed, I think, hey, actually, maybe I learn even more than the guy calling me. Yeah, but that's also you, mindset because you are open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, there's also okay. a lot of people that go, just sit back and listen. Okay, how can I um, criticize this? But it's if your mindset is okay in any conversation, I want to learn one thing, then it doesn't matter 
to whom you're talking to anymore. You're going to yeah. pick out something from anybody. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, clear. So, you know, spoke to him and read his book, and he's quite clear on, I mean, he's also a bit famous or infamous on his, his lists of, yeah. you know, his, 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 his bullet points. But nevertheless, I mean, in the term of, you know, his, his, his sense of how do you uh, uh, characterize a high-performing um, organization in terms of the non-negotiables, uh, 100% uh, uh, commitment is, is, is the basic requirement. And, you know, he has this, 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 this uh, standard quotes, but, you know, you, 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 you take something from that. And then um, at that time, NMC Bright, uh, led by uh, Wouter Couperus, yeah. did did uh, the licensing for the clubs in the Netherlands for the academies. It started yeah. at that time together with 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 the, uh, the KNVB with Turn Jacobs, you know, and they developed this model of the optimal learning environment with I believe five five or six pillars. So I think hey, so you start translating things for yourself. So from a bigger perspective, you talk about the uh, characteristics of high performing organizations, and you make it smaller if you are. In academy football, and I, yeah, I was at that time. So, okay, what does it mean for creating a high-performing academy? You know, and you go, okay, we need the best players, and we need the best coaches, and we need the best program, and we need a performance and uh, development-orientated culture. We need a high-performance lifestyle. Uh, we need a high-performance uh, uh, environment. So you start things, and if you if you mention it, you have to explain it. So if you say, hey, we want the best players. And you force yourself to describe, okay, so what for us is the best player and the best player for the Graafschap or the best player for the Ajax? Uh, then you're talking, probably talking about two completely different players, yes. even if they play. So you talk about player profiling. For the coaches, coach is the same, right? So when you say we want the best coaches, okay, so what is the best coach yeah. for you or your uh, uh, organization? If you talk about high-performing environment, yeah, what does that mean? I remember at that time visiting uh, one of my uh, uh, study mates. He was at that time academy director at Sunderland, and he said, "Look, the first time I entered the office, it was a it was a big mess with empty coffee cups and and paper." All I said, so so one of the first thing I did was, you know, um, um, organize the office, and not because I thought organizing the office was of a big priority, but I, at that time I identified it as a quick win. To link it up to, hey guys, if we cannot even, you know, structure our own working mm -hmm. environment, how, mm -hmm. how are we going to structure our, our uh, academy? So, th th this was actually one of the first things I did when I got in, into Malaysia. D didn't really start to talk about football, but I started to talk about, hey guys, you know, um, started to work on a coach manifest with uh, core, core values, characteristics of how we felt um, we should work together. And um, so this is what we did. Uh, gave them a few uh, uh, a few assignments. One of them was, hey, what for you is an optimal learning environment? What for you should be in there? And in the end, it turned out with a list of, I believe, uh, I think about somewhere between 15 or 20 core values in terms of we respect time in whatever uh, 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 situation. We, we value... Uh, open and direct uh, communication. Um, if we, you know, we don't take uh, criticism personally. So now you're also now we are we are making the link to the Asian culture. Yeah. All things that are not necessarily common in the Asian culture. So we yeah, we made a big, a big sticker actually. We put it on the wall and it was a, I don't know, yeah, because in by, Asia, 
I think shame is a very important factor or that you, if you got pointed out, it feels like shame or I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah, respect is, is respect, yeah, no, 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 uh, no. Yeah. Respect is a big word. So, so criticizing people openly is, is, is not necessarily appreciated. And also it's, it's, it's being taken quite personal as Dutch people, you know, we can, we can direct. go head to head yeah. work related. And then, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes later, we have a beer together and we can yeah. at least, yeah. This 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 uh, goes for me. I I can completely separate it. Uh, but you know, over time you learn that it's not that, that this is not necessarily the case in every culture. But but even for every person. So I think even in in Holland or you know, so you yeah, you're dealing with 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 people. And maybe for me this was also the reason why the whole leadership part triggered me so much because you know over time more uh, people always. No, no, not not always, but I got occasionally some feedback that people perceive me as arrogant and okay. uh, quite quite sure of himself. Uh, and I completely didn't recognize it in terms of you know you you should so so what goes in. Uh, I think that you know the more knowledge you get, the more question marks you put. At least this 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 uh, this uh, goes for me. So so the more you know, the less you know. I truly believe this. So, yeah, you know, sure. but apparently something in your, in your behavior and your performance triggers this, right? So, so in terms of, uh, uh, what's the word? Empathic ability, you know, if, if you, if you are, and I felt I was, but, you know, occasionally you get feedback, hey, you know, not so sure. So th this was also the part that triggered me, you know, leadership. How do you inspire people? Uh, how do you engage? I mean, I know how to engage in, in uh, uh, relationships, but 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 the whole relationship part, you know, uh, uh, became uh, more important. And now I'm working here. I'm again, you know, uh, uh, confronted with that. That this is crucial here. So the first thing you do is building relationships, getting mutual uh, uh, respect. Uh, so I've never encountered before that within the academy. Truly believe, and this is also the feedback I get from the staff and from the coaches, that hey, coach, this is not an academy; we are a family. And I believe this is also one of the biggest uh, powers behind the success we have, not only in terms of performance, but what we are doing. You know, what we are building. Recently, we qualified with the with the U17 for the for the uh, for the AFC, like the Asian Championship. Yeah. And when you perform there, you can qualify for the World Cup. This is also it's not not necessarily KPI. But you know, it's it's it's, More it's behind it. Yeah, like you know, the, the, this is the big desire here as a, as a, as a senior national team or youth national team. Uh, they haven't qualified once for 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 World Cup. So so this is the big you know the, yeah. the, the, the big uh, the big desire in terms of performance. Just to give but, some context, what is the position on world ranking? Malaysia uh, one one hundred at the moment, I believe one hundred forty something. 148, 149, and this, of course, this is also the reason why not 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 only me because within the current program, so AMD, the National Academy, is part of a, of a bigger program which is called the National Football Development Program. It's under the government and it it contains around 15 to 16,000 uh, children who play football at regional centers and. Yeah. In the end, the scouting for the national academy is being done in these regional centers, 
And um, with three foreign guys, we actually hold some key positions within this program. So there's a French guy who was invited to first. His name is uh, Saad Ishalalem. Previously, uh, was a coach and head of youth department at uh, uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. So he was invited first to come here. He invited uh, after that uh, Abdi Hassan, who was a colleague of mine at FC20 when I worked there. So Abdi is um, head of coach development um, and also head of scouting in a country of 32 million people. Yeah. So this is a, ma- a massive job. So at, at, Without at one point... Yeah, exactly. So, 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 yeah, this is massive. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I mean, these, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. So these, these, these guys have, have been, they have been here for three years before I came. So this was six years ago that they came and they've done a tremendous job to, uh, together with all the local people here. Of of course, this is not something they're they're doing alone. But, and then after their first term of three years, they were looking for an academy director and then, no, they actually asked me to uh, if I would be interested to you know to 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 get the job. At that time, I was actually on my way to Real Salt Lake, where where I was supposed to be the the the, the academy director MLS. Yeah. So I was already there. Actually, Abdi called me when I was there together with my wife. So we were looking at uh, at a house at a, at a school of the kids uh, for the kids, and in the end. The owner, it was a private owner, made a U-turn and said, hey, you know what? I want the head of recruitment. So in the end, that that, that didn't turn out. And uh, then I think, hey, then, then I might as, you know, might as well have a look over there. And yeah, and now I've been here already for three years and looking at another few years. Great, man. Coaches, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. You can help us with reaching more listeners. Subscribe to the podcast or rate us in your favorite podcast player. But if you really want to help us, then share a post or story on your social media, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. If you share a post about us on social media and you tag us, I will personally make sure that you will get access to our best-rated masterclass on our website. So subscribe, rate us, or share a post, and make sure you tag the coach. Well, that's a, it, it's a great story. Well, not a story. It's, it's a great pathway. That's a better word. Yeah. Um, what I, what I took out the most, uh, despite the fact that you have colleagues that are looking for a couple of hundred players, but between 16,000 in a, well, almost needle in a haystack for Opti, but your, your, what I took from you so far is that when, when you started in your leadership role, you kind of realized that you had to define concepts. So everybody can say, yeah, we need a high performance culture. Every coach, once you step into a room as in, in a new role or in the club, yeah, blah, blah, I'm the boss now. I get the, I'm the, the top of the hierarchy. We need a performance culture. Yeah. It's, you can literally hear it. Anybody say that's across you at the desk and he, now he's the boss, blah, blah, blah. But I think you, quickly found out that you had to define it so which uh, we need a high performance culture this means that we need it, this 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 and this and this and yeah uh, uh, that's something that, I, that even sparked me i wrote it down okay define what the outcome is or define what it is yeah, yeah. one one 
hundred uh, percent true because you know it's 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 a little bit of I don't know popular management language, but you know make make things smart, uh, specific, uh, measurable, etc. Uh, etc. Et so yeah, I mean, or else it 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 becomes they become power words. You know, ah, we need this and we need to yeah, be, yeah. be better Hello. and we, we need, need to. Hello. Yeah, exactly. So it helped me a lot because it, if, if you define it, it makes it touchable. As I said, if you say, listen, uh, we want the best coaches. Okay. What is the best coach? Yeah. So what, what competences or what knowledge or what, uh, characteristics are you looking for? If you're talking about, Hey, we want the high performance culture. Okay. So, so what, what is it then that makes this high performance culture and how is it different for your club and or for the other club or so this? Now you go back to heritage. Um, I think um, I'm now changing to becoming uh, 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 changing jobs actually. So uh, I'm now actually finalizing my current job and switching to becoming the technical director of Salango FC, which is uh, traditionally the biggest club in the country. Um, now in, in the most recent years, JDT, as I mentioned before, is the biggest club, also money-wise. But traditionally, it is Salango FC. Yeah, uh, a little bit like, like, like eh, I always say, it's it's the Feyenoord of Malaysia. You know, crazy, crazy amount of fans, are really passionate about the club. They've um, they have the biggest and richest history in terms of titles and 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 cups. But also, if you look at if you look at the ranking over the last few years, it's fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah. three, four. So recently, there, 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 there aren't so many prizes won. So, you know, so this is another club that apparently identifies me and says, Hey, we feel like we need to change. We need to, we need to get back in touch with our values. But at the same time, you know, football has changed, even though it's still 11 v 11 and the ball is round and uh, the grass is green, blah, blah, blah. But, but things have changed, you know. So how do we connect ourselves with the past and at the same time, Move into modern times, you know, it's, it's, it's versatile, volatile. So, and apparently people, you know, recognize something with me that I could, uh, contribute even though for, for, if it's only for, for, for a small part. And yeah, what I can only say is that, that, that part triggers me. You know, I would definitely not call myself a specialist, but it triggers me. I've done a lot of research in it. I tried to educate myself in it to make it exactly as you say, to make it touchable, because when you make it touchable, you can measure it, yeah. you know, if you, and, and, and not, yeah, because this, uh, this is always the, uh, at least I find the toughest part in how, how do you put KPIs? I mean, on, on, on football development or, or, uh, uh developing people on uh, longer term. I mean, yes, winning the league or winning this or winning that, but, but, you know, you can be really successful without winning anything in my uh, uh, perspective and you can really not be successful but actually win quite a few things at least this is what i believe um so short term longer term and, sure. and what i've learned and yeah what i'm trying to do is you know we don't have to uh, repeat it is make things touchable how do you how do you define longer term success how do you how do you capture it and um, so then how do you how do you strategize and put it into a certain time frame that you can actually create some landmarks in and actually measure a longer term yeah. and uh, uh, sustainable success instead of only looking at hey we became fifth so it was a lousy season sure. yeah. or we were one 
and it was fantastic because the opposite can be true. I think I can imagine that it makes the starting point also relatively easy because you have your, let's say, concepts. Okay, high performance culture. Yeah. Um, what is what should be the outcome? Or what what is good? What is what are the KPIs? And you can literally step in. Let's say I'm being a little bit political, but in your first hundred days, and then gather. Okay, which concepts are already there? Which are already written? Yeah. And everything that's not there, okay, it's very clear. It needs to be written. Everything that is already written, you can judge. Okay, is it up to date or is it already meeting the current yeah. standards? Um, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm simplifying it very easy, but it makes your life as a sporting director very clear. Okay, what what do we have? What do we what, what's not there, and what do we need to improve? And then you have three starting points. Yeah. True. True. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned this, this, this 100 days. I don't even know where it comes from, but I also, yeah, it, yeah, I also it's, it's from the, uh, um, the, the White House. So, yeah, exactly. Literally, as a, as a, as the president of the United States, you've literally have 100 days to change yeah. things and then your furniture. It's called like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 you're there, yeah. You only have to maintain the process. Yeah. They start. They start uh, chopping on you, and you already have to go for your next term. But that's no, I, I, I know that's where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah, truly believe that also. No, true. So what I usually do is is uh, identify the quick wins, you know, that to to get some um, what's the word momentum because this is what you need in in the in sure. the beginning. You know, you have to identify some some things you can. Change quickly, and it's like not only about it, cleaning up the desk. That's the first quick win. For example, you know, and uh, at the current place I work, hey, I told you about doing the thing with the coaches about creating the value. So within one one month, we had a complete wall in the office, which is yeah. a wall of uh, I don't know seven by five meters. We had this big coaching uh, um, manifesto with our core core values, you know, it's visible, it is touchable. And every time with people, I'm not saying they look at this every minute, but you know, if you're relaxing at one point, you look up eh, and you, so um, uh, besides that, you define your uh, non-negotiables. Uh, and this is also, but I, I believe more, more coaches, you know, and it was years ago, I read the book uh, from uh, Johan Cruyff, of course, also a legend, uh, not only on the pitch, but I believe also, you know, that, 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 that in terms of leadership, you know, the, the, uh, the revolution at, at, at uh, Ajax at that time. But, but, and I think the title of, of, of the book was, You got it passin as you do it in English, uh, you will only see it once you get it. Um, and I believe this is, you know, this is, this is, uh, um, true. So this also means that uh, whenever I go to a club, but I think this is for more people. So with the current club I work, I think we had four to five conversations before I actually decided to uh, take the job. And I also asked the club a few times, says, hey, man, are, are you sure you want to get me? Because if yeah. you get me, this is what you get. And this is what will happen, yeah. which will, which will not, not always be comfortable. I will start questioning things with, yeah, you might never question before and it will create to a certain extent it will you know you have friction. to be comfortable being un, yeah friction noise but know that it is with the aim to you know to after that maybe maybe take one step back to put two or three forward and of course we don't necessarily have to take this step back and it's not about creating noise but know something will happen and it is also the reason why you get me then it's 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 more than okay but um 
No, uh, Malaysia is also again confrontation is not necessarily something they are comfortable with. You know, better better go go around the issue or not really address it or keep keep everybody happy, and you know keep this relationship strong than actually getting to the point and actually uh, targeting it from from the core. Um, so the danger is in this aspect that you're always compromising and then. Malaysia and I think Asia overall is is I mean maybe not not get into that but it's 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 quite political you know so um, and then quite quickly you find yourself in in a situation where everybody is keeping everybody happy and nobody's yeah. really trying to change anything because it might have consequences in many different areas and sometimes it's really tough to break this kind of cycle and uh, you cannot. You can also not not blame people for it uh, because it's 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 quite a what's the word hierarchical culture. Yeah. So you have you have bosses and you have uh, yeah Executives. people that are not uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Also, I mean they, they they even call me boss and I always ask them, hey, please stop using this word because I would you know if if you would if you would put put any stamp on me, then I hope at one day you will perceive me as the, uh, to be a leader, but but uh, but not a boss. I hope I can inspire you. Instead of telling you what to do, but you know, so so this is sometimes really, it's really a top-down culture, very strong. Um, uh, while I believe we we try to inspire people to you know create some sort of bottom-up principle, um, and uh, this is this is not easy. It, it goes slow sometimes, much slower, and I'm not really a patient guy. So you know, but you have to be, or else you will not survive here. So from from a cultural perspective, I've learned a lot here. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm still learning a lot here. So you know, the, the especially the coaches who I'm working with, they're really grateful. They are fantastic guys to work with. They are eager. They want to learn. I believe and I hope they they uh, uh, they have learned a lot. But I've also learned a lot from them how they sometimes manage to say say something without even saying a word. You know, to complete to to feel how you can express yourself with a certain look or with yeah. a certain Certain behavior, or or by actually not not speaking, but let time take care of things. It's a really on on that part. It's really sophisticated sometimes, you know, uh, uh, communication without words. So they 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 graceful. Yeah, almost. yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then the other part is, of course, that that you know, it always goes and beats around the bush. Yeah. And let's 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 talk about everything and let's let's address except everything. For the thing that's the pink, except for the pink yeah. elephant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this is the other part. So it it goes both ways. But you know, I learned a lot from it, and I it was a massive challenge for me to lead in this kind of culture. And I'm learning. I'm I'm I'm, I'm still learning, but I don't regret it for 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 a single second. Yeah. Well, it's it. Well, again, it, the pathway and. The, the way that you took yourself into, let's say, a newbie, now you are a more experienced leader in a completely new culture. Well, you're not a newbie in this yeah. culture anymore, and now taking it to the next role. It is, uh, yeah, it is a great pathway. And then again, there's a lot of learnings in here, and you something, some things you skipped. No, you went over pretty fast. Um, but it's all okay. You have that's my assumption again. You have an idea or you have a feeling let's 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 say it comes from your dad that was a teacher and so you have some feeling on natural leadership um but you back it up with models 
and uh, at least that's what you want. Again, my assumption, but I think that's the best way to describe your leadership style. And then you you apply it, and then learnings come from there. Yeah, yeah, true. But but this is also um, at one point I was um, you know while 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 doing the course um, at that time you know made made some choices. So it was it Go Eagles? Um, we, me and my wife, we decided to buy an old vicarage at that time. So a, a, a massive house that, you know, the house that if you walk by, you think, oh, I'm going to buy anything, but not, not that one. So we, we, we bought it. My, my, my wife is an, um, an interior architect, you know, so she, she, she saw through the uh, chaos. Yeah, exactly. So I said, okay, so, so, so we did it. So we, and, and we, we, we perceived it to be a five year project. So I was doing that. I was just not not just, but I was in the in the in the sporting director role at Go Eagles, which was highly demanding. Uh, that time, decided to do this master at sure. Manchester. You know, the, so you know, looking back, it is actually actually crazy. And I don't even know what, why I mentioned it just now. You asked me a question, but uh, who was it again? Well, uh, I was I was saying that you were had a feeling, back it up by models, and then applied and learned. I, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So did this uh, a master, and at the same time, you know, uh, when my time with Code Eagle stopped, you know, and I was in the UK, then you engage with some people, and at one point I found myself uh, in an interview at, at, at Middlesbrough for the, uh, sorry, Southampton for the head of coaching position, and I didn't really consider myself a head of coaching because, as you you mentioned before, this is the guy with a thousand drills under his arm, which. Um, uh, I can do, but it's not not necessarily my 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 passion and my trigger. It's much more the high performance culture. How do you build organizations? Then actually talking about this passing yeah. drill or this, I can do it, of course, because I've been in football my whole life. Sure. But it's but a it's, part it's, of your control. Yeah, exactly. So you know, we we were sitting there and we were we were talking and we had the first interview and it was fine. It was with, at that time was with Matt Hale, who's still the academy director. And with Ross Wilson, who I believe is now sporting director, at, who's now yeah the new sporting director at Rangers or Celtic, I don't okay. remember. So we were talking. The first interview find they were really eager. I was, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> true, true. I have to look it up. I have to look. It. I hope not 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 many Scottish fans are listening now. But uh, yeah, so I spoke to them, and then the first interview really well, and we went into the second conversation, and it was you know. It was the Dutch way, and I said at that time, you know, and we did did the the, the second talk, and at that time I didn't really have my story straight in terms of the models, which I mentioned it now, you know. So it, I was I was winging it the Dutch way, you know, uh, confident, maybe arrogant, sure. you know, sure. how we Dutch eh, how we Dutch do it as we feel yeah, like yeah, we yeah. Eh, invented again. I think we are very good, and you showed that you thought you exactly. were very good. Yeah. yeah, at least at that time. No, I, I didn't really think I was very good, but no, we no, just, you I know. know. We, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. that's what we do. So, so I'm sitting there and they start asking questions and, you know, I feel like, why are you keep asking the same questions but choosing different words? So I kept giving the same answer with different words and we were going around in circles and after one hour we said, maybe, maybe we should stop this. And I said, yeah, I think we should. You know, So after that, actually, the real conversation started and they said, look, if we can say this to you, because previously they interviewed Frank de Boer to be the head coach. And I said, this was an, a, a copy of that interview. So not that it was a bad interview, but when you look at the UK, the British culture, they are highly on these models, uh, evidence-based. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a completely different culture. And we just, at least me, I don't know how Frank de Boer did it. 
but we just wing it based on our personality experience. Yeah. You know, we feel like we know what we are talking about. But at least me at that time, I didn't necessarily said, look, I'm following this this model or this guy yeah. or this evidence-based article. So it's it's not only something I took from there, but it opened up my eyes that they, they came from a completely different angle. And I, I was a newbie from, from that because I couldn't mention anything evidence-based. I just feel like, hey, yeah, we do a game-based approach. And uh, yeah, on every question they asked, I was like, okay. That's it. Look at it. Yeah, I, I have to know your organization. I have to speak to your coaches first. And once I'm there... Mm. You know, I will, I will deliver. And then how do you do this? How do you, yeah, look, I don't know. I first have to see what is your organization yeah. like. I have to, I don't know. And of course you do your own work and I did my sure, research. I completely, but, you know, I can imagine so, how the discussion went. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so, so it was three, three people in the room completely talking next to each other, never, never getting on the same page. And even though it didn't bring me the job at that time, which is okay, but um, I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. when I started talking to international coaches, I noticed that, um, that there's a big difference between Dutch coaches. Yeah. yeah, Okay. We have our principles and we'll fix it. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. And then if you talk to, well, I've already said this a couple of times as well. If you talk to Portuguese coaches, they actually know, they already know in detail how everything is set up within their game model or within their methodology or whatever. They have like a, almost like a scientific approach to football. Everything is written down. Everything, like you're saying with leadership, everything is written and clear. And yeah, yeah I'm th there's good and bad in both because it's also a little bit rigid and we are a little bit more fluent. So we may be a little bit more adaptable. Um, uh, but, yeah. um, there's a big difference in, in culture and that's why it's so interesting to talk to people. And that's also, I, I think there's a good side that we are adaptable, that we're flexible. We, we can present ourselves, which really works in the football hierarchy, which works in a football environment where there's lots, lots of egos. It works in the dressing room. Um, but it also like like you said there's a difference that or there's a uh, danger that that you think you are very good and that's yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. typical dutch yeah, yeah. that we think we are very good yeah yeah, yeah we we are also being perceived that way yeah and that is not necessarily a compliment doesn't help. so <laughs> yeah, no no i mean definitely when you have your abroad experience it 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 humbles you also in a way yeah that people this is the feedback you get huh? and not necessarily me but us no, no, I'm, and I'm exaggerating, of course. I'm not saying that everybody is. But this is true. I mean, it is true, and uh, sometimes it's 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 good to hear that people perceive you like that, you know. And and going back to 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 the culture, you know, you mentioned the the the, the Portuguese. When I, you know, I engage in many conversations over the years with Saad, eh, the the, the, eh, the uh, my colleague here from uh, Paris Saint Germain, I think. Uh, a few years ago, they cooperated quite closely with some Spanish people. And then you get the juego de posición, you know, and they work, the Spanish mostly work with concepts, you know, we call them principles, you can call them yeah. concepts, whatever. So at one point, I also engaged with him and we have our game-based approach, you know, and it's it's not general, but it's uh, maybe the word you use, fluent. It's We have a certain perception of how the game should be played. And for us, it's completely clear. Yeah. But then I, I I spoke to him and he, and he said, yeah, passing this and, oh, passing. And he pulls up this document 
that actually describes in details 15 type of different passes, uh, a pass to uh, create an advantage, a pass to attack the space, a pass to defeat, a pass to, and I look at it, I think, man, yeah, yeah sure, but I don't see myself. And I thought it was highly interesting yeah, because, again, I learned a lot from it in how they completely dissected all this, but I think, and but I was thinking, okay, so now I'm looking at these Malaysian coaches. What is the purpose of them actually knowing 15, you know, I think it is important for them to recognize in the pitch that when to play the ball to the space or when to play the ball to the feet, how you actually call or name tag this pass for me is not really, but you know, it, it opened up my eyes in terms of, and then we did, of course, we, we worked together over the last three years. And I also believe because you can talk about concepts and you can talk about solving a certain game um, uh, situation. So, for example, you can talk about an attacking midfielder positioning himself in the pocket and then defining what is the pocket. And you look at, at scanning angles and you define the pocket within different formations and how you should position yourself and what is the consequence of how you position yourself at different angles and at, at different positions. But I think the Dutch way is, hey, the ball is here. We, we, we have to go from A to B and a certain behavior is required from this player. So maybe never two players in one line. Maybe we need a third man. Maybe, you know, and in the end, this is truly what I found out. So even though we might approach it from a different angle, so the Spanish, the uh, uh, Portuguese writing it all down in terms of concepts and really in detail, uh, I think the French, because the system is different, the French already find themselves forced to offer a contract or an agreement at a 12 or 13-year-old player because this is their culture. And if you do that, you need to be, I mean, you will never be 100% sure, but you need to be really certain that you offer to the right player because in France, when they offer this contract at 12 or 13, it's already also for the age of 16, 17. So this contract uh, 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 contains a longer time frame. So you yeah. basically offer a contract for already at 16, 17 years of age. So, and, and this one cannot easily be terminated. So, you, and, 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 you know, at the bigger clubs, it can already involve at those kind of ages. It can involve quite a lot of money. So the system forces them in terms of talent ID, recognizing talent, uh, to be really detailed. So maybe yeah. combined with the, with the French culture that I think they have amazing individual players. If you look at where the French players play all over the world, they maybe have the most players at, in the, in the, in the top leagues all over the world. So on the individual level, they're always crazy good. And maybe this is also a reason why on, on team level, they struggle a bit more in terms of team, uh, yeah. uh, uh, development to actually, creating the team. And maybe this is where we, the Dutch, you know, besides that we never actually, yeah, besides 88, we never really won anything. But I think we are well known of our coach uh, uh, education, but also yeah, our, our team, team, team game-based uh, uh, approach. So, you know, you can talk about concepts. Uh, French, you can, uh, uh, sorry, Spanish, you can approach it really individually, the French. You can come from the team development. But what I've also found out in being with different people, different culture, in the end, we're all all talking about the same thing sure. and because it's 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 so globally now i mean borders are gone i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm the living example working in 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 uh, asia i mean barcelona you talk about uh, cruyff uh, uh, in the uk you talk about pep and he worked with cruyff. so it's it's all now i believe it in, is intertwined now inter yeah i mean yeah. that there are still different cultures but in the end it also i think comes down all to the same thing 
So yeah. I think talking about, ah, oh, we should follow the Spanish or we should follow the German who is also, eh, who have also had a massive development or we should follow the French or the Portuguese. I don't think it's really relevant because in the end it all comes down to the same thing. Yeah. For me, there's also Agree. something I learned. Yeah. Agree. Okay. I think it's a great way to close this. So uh, we we uh, I think we have found a good circle. But uh, I agree. I agree. In the end, it's staying true to true to finding your own own way and staying true to yourself is the best way. Okay. Yeah, um, thanks. Thanks again. Last question. Yeah, you already you. Uh, uh, gave me a little bit of a of a hinge. But uh, who should we talk to next? Yeah, so, you know, again, during my time uh, uh, while following the Masters in the UK, uh, I visited Sunderland quite a few times. At that time, the head of coach development was Mark Atkinson. He is now, um, I have to say it correctly, um, head of player development, if I'm correct. Yeah, head of uh, player development at Newcastle United. So we had a few uh, uh, conversations at that time, sharing ideas about football and uh, really connected with him and uh, I got to know him as a very knowledgeable and also nice guy. So for me, he would be an excellent candidate to be the next guest on your, in your podcast. Well, let's see if we can get him on. The, probably sure. or hopefully you can help me with that, but no uh, problem at all. would be great. And uh, to continue the discussion and believe a little bit more about um, youth development and the transition from youth to senior, uh, if I understand you yeah. correctly. So uh, yeah, sure. would be a great uh, would be a great um, uh, next discussion. For now, Dennis, I really want to thank you again. And thank uh, you too. Very it's interesting. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, and if if people uh, maybe want to get into a little bit more details, or can they reach out to you on LinkedIn or yeah. uh, whatever? Sure. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Email LinkedIn. You know, okay. they know where everybody oh. knows where to find everybody nowadays, so it should, shouldn't be any problem. Okay. And I'm going to wish you. A lot of luck in your new role. Thank you. Uh, and um, you. Uh, balancing the the life again with the, with everything that's coming, and which uh, is always a challenge. Yeah. Well, we have, we all know that. And uh, yeah, best of luck in the new role, and we we will keep following you. Thank you very much. I will do the same thing. Thanks Thank for this massive opportunity. Thanks. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Coach's Room. Make sure to subscribe or rate us in your favorite podcast player or share this episode on your social media and we will make sure that you will get access to the best webinar that's available on our website. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would be happy to connect.